Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coifcast. Welcome back. I'm your host, Ross Williams. As always, Adam is back after a week off last week, and we're up. Finally, we are finally, finally secure in our survival. We are finally, definitely a, a Super League team next season. Uh, we're going to discuss that, obviously, in the first five, ten minutes of this podcast, uh, how big Friday night was, although probably forget that one of the rugby games happened uh, on Friday night. But there's an awful lot to discuss in this episode as well. Um, obviously, departures, potential incomings, all kinds of things going on this week. An awful lot to discuss, so let's get into it. First and foremost, Adam, how you doing, mate? Um, yeah, Friday night. Weird one, wasn't it, really? Kind of an up and down kind of night, certainly in terms of what we provide on the field, but ultimately, a fair bit of relief, weren't they? Yeah, extremely, extremely strange to... Almost have the uh, cast game be second viewing for a lot of it. We're almost, after about half an hour, it were like we knew we weren't going to get a result at Wigan and yeah. all eyes kind of went over to the Wakefield game and seeing um, if Lee could beat Wakefield and confirm our status next season in, in Super League. Um, first of all, I want to say commiserations to Wakefield, obviously. We can feel happy and relieved that we're up, but obviously over over the common there'll be a lot of people out of a job, unfortunately. Um, it's never a nice time to see a team go down, but that's the nature of the sport, unfortunately. So I'm sure I, I, I speak for Ross as well. We want to pass on our commiserations over to Wakefield as a whole as well. Yeah, yeah, certainly in terms of, you know, like I say, job losses in any kind of situation and always rough. And I think even like Danny Ward spoke about us in his recent press yeah. conference, he's nearly not a fan of relegation promotion. I mean, as we're kind of going to allude to quite heavily in this podcast, pretty much the last ever example of it, really, in terms of an, yeah. a, an actual natural slash traditional relegation, it's probably the last time we're ever going to see it, or certainly until this kind of IMG experiment. Um, which hopefully it doesn't come to an end, hopefully it's a success, but... There we are. It's brutal to see job losses, and obviously we've been on the receiving end of that. Um, there's definitely some commiserations to be had over there. Um, you know, certain element of their fan base, I'm less <laughs> bothered about it, <laughs> if I'm being brutally honest. And, you know, I think there was a fair few of those which, you know, relished 2004 and 2006. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to feel too, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to feel too much remorse for those guys, but... Uh, at the same time, obviously, we had the, the cross podcast with the Wayfield Trinity Heritage guys a few weeks yeah. ago as well. And, and yeah, I think I put a tweet out that night and speak to those guys and you know, hopefully genuinely have a good year next year and actually enjoy it because there's some things to enjoy about being in the championship and all that kind of stuff. And it's tough and th- they're good guys, you know what I mean? There are certainly elements of the Wakefield fan base which uh, are generally good people and um, you, you never want to see it. And yeah, it's brutal, isn't it? it it's, the most brutal, it's the most brutal thing in sport and there's probably a reason that it's only us in Britain that really kind of <laughs> try and commit to it. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a strange one that in in Britain we are kind of the pioneers of promotion and relegation. A lot of the uh, other leagues around the around the world sort of have uh, moved away from it. But unfortunately, the nature of the beast, at the moment at least, in uh, rugby league... Yeah, I mean, we're a bit, yeah, I guess as a country, a bit masochist there. It's, it is strange. Uh, it, it is really strange, but there we are, as I say. Maybe the final example uh, yes. in rugby league as we know it, but there we have it. Ultimately, we are safe, and there was an awful lot of relief 
Yes. Um, on on Friday night, uh, as you as you alluded to, you, a lot of people. I mean, obviously, there's a fair few people uh, at the DW Stadium themselves. Fair play to you, a lot of you went over there, and I'm sure a lot of you enjoyed probably after the 80 minutes a lot more than the actual 80 minutes. Uh, granted. Um, I couldn't make it over on Friday in, in, in the living room. Um, first of all, just trying to get Twitter updates of, of the cast game. I obviously was less interested in them after about 20 minutes, <laughs> if I'm honest. I think we all uh, agreed with that. I had one eye on Warrior and Saints, but not really. Uh, and then probably for about 30 minutes, um, I had BBC Radio Leeds on <laughs> listening to the Lee Wakefield game, which was a very weird situation. I didn't like it. Didn't like it one bit, focusing on a different game. And uh, it was a horrible one. I'm there just pacing around the room. And uh, Gareth O'Brien, eh? Gareth O'Brien, <laughs> an absolute, an absolute grim reaper <laughs> in terms of relegations. It's the second time he's put a side oh. down with a drop goal, um, and it does make it a little bit sweeter. Obviously, he's an ex-Cast player uh, as well. Um, so, yeah, what was your? I mean, taking away the Cast Wigan game, what it was, what it was. Yeah, I think to a certain extent, it was to be expected. Really, they're probably the form mm. form side in the league, and they're absolutely on fire, aren't they? And they are my favourites to win the comp. Uh, from this point so kind of taking that away from it just what was the feeling uh, when you first heard that obviously Gaz O'Brien drops that goal and and we're up um, to be honest there was there was a heavy sigh of relief after this year I'm sure all cast fans know that it's been a bad year especially to our standards especially over the last sort of decade um, since obviously coming back up in 2007 we've kind of come to a standard where we've been challenging for playoffs. We've been up there sort of in and around the mix. I mean, last last season, I think we were eight minutes away from making the playoffs. Mm. To have the drop-off that we have had this year has been quite sudden and drastic. And it's maybe come as a, a big surprise for some people or a lot of the fan base, I would say, really. So it... I'll admit there was a little bit of a fist pump and a, a small celebration, but it was out of relief. And I think that's probably the majority of the fan base at the moment. It is that big sigh of relief of, right, we've confirmed us place in Super League for next season, but there will have been a quick shift. And we've seen it on social media this year, uh, this week, sorry, of what's next. Yeah. yeah what's I next? Have- what next in not only the playing staff, but also the coaching staff, because we've still not had a confirmation as we sit here at, what, half eight on a, on Tuesday. We've still mm-hmm. not had a confirmation. Um, we've obviously got one game left of the season. Now they're waiting until after the Leeds game to confirm. We're not sure, but I think the big view now for the fan base is what's next and what what are we going to do in these coming weeks as we look towards 2024 yeah yeah absolutely that's what, pretty much what the rest of this this particular podcast episode is going to be about really certainly in terms of um but basically i mean there's been a few interesting responses to kind of friday night and uh more recently uh obviously the we're, we're quite a lot of press attention, haven't we? It was quite a lot a of media bit. attention the Tigers over the last few days, despite obviously being on the losing side on Friday night. And there was almost an element of, I don't know, I've had this for a little while and I completely get it. I mean, I'm from a journalism journal mm. as are you. Um, Wakefield would have been an incredible story for a neutral, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I, think, I think there's an element of that. I think Wakefield's, 
the fact they've been bottom all year, the fact they were completely written off before the season started, um, the fact they were well, the fans were pretty much aware what their of what their playing budget was as well yeah. a year ago, which is interesting because something we're going to get onto in a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, if they'd have been, if they managed to pull it off, if they'd have beat us at their place, or did they, I mean, if they managed to pull it off in the way it could have happened on Friday, I mean, if if Luke Gale kicks another drop yeah. goal and takes it to Friday night, and then you know they pull off the miracle of all miracles, um, in in a sport that really struggles for kind of column inches and just general <laughs> um, attention, really on the grand on the grand stage, completely understand why the press want that. <laughs> completely, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was a bit strange. Kind of, we, we were almost the story a little bit on Friday night. I think we, we saw a couple of comments from a, a few of the media members. And uh, I've, had, I've actually spoke to Matt Shaw a little bit this week. And I know he listens to the pod. Uh, I think Aaron Bowers listened to the pod uh, previously as well. They were two. And there was a few others as well. And mm. it was an interesting one, wasn't it? The comment about, you know, about Cass fans celebrating, the, celebrating the, the survival, but, you know, feet on the ground kind of thing. And, you know, things don't look too great going forward. All this kind of, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But um, yeah, pretty quick to put his feet back on the ground, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. What, what was yeah. your kind of reaction to that? Yeah, they made sure that we uh, didn't get too ahead of ourselves, definitely. And <laughs> I'm I'm sure both of us can admit that we've got a lot of respect for Aaron Bauer and Matt Shaw, especially. Hundred percent. It's probably two of the leading journals in in um, rugby the, league. The, I would say the two leading journals, to be fair. Yeah. You look at obviously Aaron Bauer does some great opinion pieces and. I, I always enjoy reading whatever he's written and Matt Shaw's probably Shaw, sorry, is probably the closest we have to it. Uh, I'm gonna a loose comparison, but Fabrizio Romano obviously I knew we were gonna go, here we go then. Here we go. Because <laughs> Matt Shaw is always the one with the breaking transfer news. He's he's always on it. He's got some great sources, whether that's with agents or within clubs. And I know them to do a lot of great work in and around rugby league to try and promote it to the best of their ability. Yeah. I just feel like, and I'm I know we both put tweets out on Friday night making comments related to this. It felt like they were maybe digging in a little bit harsh. Personally, I think it was a little bit too harsh. Cast fans are very much aware of as I mentioned earlier, how bad this season's been. We have not had a lot to celebrate at all. So, it, and some, like they do on social media, maybe took it a little bit too far. I feel like some of the comments were maybe, from cast fans, were maybe overshadowed by the tweet that Lee did, which I feel like, yeah, as, as somebody without a horse in the race, um, maybe mm. shouldn't have gone out. And I know Derek Bowman's come out and kind of um, hound slated their medium person for putting that tweet out. And I feel like it was probably a little bit insensitive, um, which I found interesting because Josh Griffin jumped on the back of that about integrity and class after his, his season, maybe um, people in glass houses shouldn't <laughs> throw stones <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but I understood, understood why he uh, took offence to it. Absolutely. So it, it was a little bit interesting to hear those comments, especially I feel like talking about struggling to see where improvements were coming from. Mm. We all, yeah, and I feel like these are the guys that are reporting on these signings. 
yes, they can have their opinion on what these players are going to be like and are potentially going to perform. They obviously watch them week in, week out at the other teams that they're at currently. But I feel like there's a process that we're going through this year. And a lot of clubs are kind of going through a similar one where it's one of we're needing to hit a reset button. And next year, might we won't. We'll, I mean, we'll go on and talk to it in details. I don't see us challenging for a league leader's shield next year. No. I don't think that's the goal of the club for next year. The goal of the club in, for next year is to rebuild, reduce the average age of the uh, the playing staff, and to build for maybe two years' time, three years' time, and look to progress through that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it was that comment, wasn't it, about... Improvements. Yeah, the, the improvement and kind of where it was going to come from. And like I said, I've had a little chat on that this week. Uh, this yeah. week. You made, made some good points, to be fair. And I, like I said, I'll chat I time at rugby. I'd love to get him on the podcast, actually. I think it'd be great. Mm, really good. Um, yeah, like, I, I just think it, it, it's a much wider thing. I don't think it's about Cass. I don't think... I don't. No. I don't I, I've, I've thought about it. I don't, I don't think it's about him dig, digging in Cass or anything, or even digging in at these kind of players necessarily. Mm. I really think this situation we're in, and we've seen it from our own fans, more so from our own fans, certainly mm. in the last few days, since, um, ironically, Maxwell put a different piece out, which we're going to talk about in a sec. Yeah. Um, in fact, let's start then. Let's actually start yeah. um, with Maxwell again, dropping an article yesterday, which basically made some heads fall off. And it shouldn't have done. And no. it really shouldn't have done. It caused a mini meltdown, as everything does in rugby league. <laughs> but it really shouldn't have done. Um, it first and foremost mentioned Greg Edens of Everson, which we will talk about after this section because obviously that's a, that's a massive talking point and I'm sure you're waiting for our opinion on that. It also mentioned contracts of players being informed, they can look at releases from their deal and I think most crucially uh, the reduced uh, playing budget we're going to be under for next season. Um, yeah, that, that caused some kind of... Uh, I don't know if panic's the word, but worry. I think I, I could you could sense some real tangible concern among the fan base, and I, I think tangible concern from Matt Shaw himself, and obviously the rugby league mm. media himself when they're writing that. And part of me just thinks, why? Because are you not paying attention to what's going on yeah. <laughs> in the sport of rugby league? I have, I've said this before in the podcast, as I think really early on, and I know you appreciate this as well because you're in a similar boat than me. I know you're not quite as switched on as you used to be, but we're American sports fans, me and you, and yeah. I'm particularly a massive National Football League fan, NFL fan, as you are. And I'm very, very used to this kind of structure uh, of a sporting league, which is ultimately what Super League is moving towards. Mm-hmm. Very clearly, they're going towards an American-style uh, yeah. approach, moving away from, as we say, the kind of brutal aspect of uh, uh, British rugby. Um Part and parcel of American football, because that is a salary cap sport, once again, as well, which is absolutely crucial. Obviously, there's no relegation. It is a, it is mm-hmm. a, a license system, I guess, which is obviously similar to what we're moving to as well. Part and parcel is this idea of phases and this idea of sorry cycles, which I yeah. spoke about endlessly in episode one, didn't I, when I had that yeah, big run? That sort of cycles over and over and over again. Happens all the time. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan in the NFL. We are We are at year one of a cycle right now. Uh, as an NFL team, uh, as it happened, we managed to get a win on uh, the weekend, but it's very much a start from scratch, essentially. Yeah. Probably not going to do anything this year. 
but we've got a few good young lads who we can build around and maybe in two or three years' time we can be in a situation where we can hit the playoffs and et cetera, et cetera. That is the aim of what the what IMG are trying to do with Super League because the crucial thing about the Indianapolis Colts, despite the fact their fan base know they're probably not going to win more than four or five games this year and are ultimately going to be pretty poor, they sell out a 70,000-seat stadium every single week. You can't get a season ticket. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Frankly, the loyalty of the team and the getting behind that team and knowing that, okay, it might not be great just year one, but there's something really to build to and there's something that actually in two, three years' time, there's a, there's a real strategy here. That's what's really important. And obviously the fact we're taking away that kind of spectra relegation in 2024, or certainly traditional relegation, and as I've said before, unless he's absolutely barefaced lied to us, and I can't understand how he could have done, we're going to be in <laughs> we're going to be in uh, the Super League or whatever it's called in 2025 in corner to Mark Grattan. I can all completely understand what we're doing next year. I completely get it. Yeah. We're getting younger, and as a result of that, the reduced playing budget, the, the playing budget's going down. Of course it is, because if you've got a bunch of 32-year-old guys or guys, I mean, Sui Matangi, for example, he's 35. He's a squad player, really, at 35, but he'll be on a lot more money than a squad player will be at 22. That's just that's just that's just working life, isn't it? Generally, yeah. you earn more money as you go. So, yeah, I, I felt like it was one of those articles which, because it had a few like buzzwords in there that have clearly worried people in the past, and it would have worried me in years gone by with relegation there. Don't get yeah. me wrong. If I'd have read this a year ago, I'd, I'd, I'd have panicked for sure, in the same way Wakefield did. Mm-hmm. But it's a different situation, isn't it? It's completely yeah. different. Yeah. yeah, that's the comparison I I thought is obviously people will see what Wakefield have done this year. They've openly admitted they're not spending up to the cap or nowhere near the cap. And it, probably at the beginning of the season, obviously they might have pushed it a little bit more with the signings that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, but people will have seen what Wakefield did and thought, well, that's us playing for last. We're playing for bottom. That's it. We're going to be doing it on a shoestring budget. We're going to be recruiting below average players or maybe knocked around Super League a little bit. And maybe there is some reason to argue that some of the players have maybe knocked around a few Super League teams and maybe not uh, lit the world alight. But I feel like the age profile of the players that were signing are that younger younger end, that under 25 sort mm. of crowd, that we are maybe buying low, hoping to either sell high or like we have done in the past, turn these kind of lumps of coal that no other team wants into shiny little diamonds that we've we've seen sort of kind we saw kind of make the backbone of our twenty seventeen team. A lot of those players were maybe unwanted or been cast aside by bigger teams or quote unquote bigger teams. And suddenly we ended up turning them into a really good strong team that made a, won a league leader shield and made a grand final. So yeah. what's what's to say we can't do that again? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, like I like I say, uh, I think a lot of the heat we've kind of had in the last few, obviously, it's, a lot of it's self-inflicted because obviously it's, it's the fan base themselves. Yeah, but I, I think there's there's an element of still, and by all means, if you listen to this, please do listen to the Grattan interview if you're not already because yeah. it really does explain everything. But I, I still feel there's a general misunderstanding across rugby league, not just cast fans of really what we're getting into. I really don't think everyone's getting it. 
<laughs> not as yet. No. But we're, they're probably not going to get it until we hit kind of the next few years, and just go, and they're going to turn around and go, oh, okay. <laughs> like I, I don't think people have realized. I, I, I still think the majority of rugby league fans. I, I, I'd be interested if someone could poll every rugby league fan. I bet more than, oh, I bet 30, 40% at the very, very least still believe if you finish bottom next year, you go down. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that's the case. I, I'm absolutely dead set that's the case. You only have to go on social media and you, you kind of see that. Yeah. So, I, and I've said before, I, I don't think the powers that be, and I'm not talking about the club necessarily, but I think the actual governing body of still, I don't mm. think they've done quite a good enough. Um, job at kind of explaining what is really going on. Um, I think they really need to do it. I mean, they have, but they really need to do it in kind of black and white in the most simple terms possible. Yeah. Then I say lowest common denominator. I think that is that kind of needs to be done. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to take some heat for this. We're going to take some heat for the fact that we've reduced the playing budget and mm. we're running the risk because it is. I, I'll hold my hands up there. We are running the risk of not being great next year because those, as you say, those are kind of lumps of coal that have to turn into diamonds. They're not all going to be diamonds, don't get no. me wrong. And you, like, in the same way that obviously we've signed these three lads uh, from Australia this um, this season, and we, we like what we see out of Horn, we like what we see out of Tassie Parlour, Takrika's not so much. You're not you're not mm. going to get them all. No, uh, it'll be the same with the recruitment. Certainly with kind of project players, which essentially we're bringing in. Yeah, we are, but, and it's 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 looking like we're going to be able to. Well, sorry, I believe the club will operate at the beginning of the season at this lower rate or we'll go into sort of the off season into sort of November start of pre-season at this lower kind of operating budget. But I don't think for a minute that if a player becomes available hmm. that we see fit in our structures, fit in our system, fit in our philosophy of what we want to do going forward on and whoever's coaching, if it is Danny Ward or whoever comes in to take the job permanently into 2024, if a player becomes available that's going to better this team, not only for 2024, but going forward, we will have the budget there. And I'm, I know the club will have the operating kind of money to be able to secure that player. Yeah. I don't think we'd sit still and go so rigidly and say, oh no, we're at this, this, this point now We're however many thousands, hundreds of thousands below the cap. We, we don't want to kind of break that structure. If a player becomes available that's going to make us so much better going forward, they will make that move. Yeah, that's it. I think it's a general strategy change which has to be done. Um, but they're still winners at the end of the day. I mean, you know what I mean? The, the head coach is still going to try and win games. The club's really? still win games. And that's the thing. I think people are worried about that end of the spectrum as well. And I wouldn't be worried about too much because, I mean, if that's the case and you get a you get half the teams in the league who actually go, hang on a minute, we can actually spend half a million less a year and just sit back and don't have to do a thing throughout the year. Mm. I mean, none of these clubs are actually making money at the moment. I mean Not really. you know, you know what I mean? The findings are literally out there. You know, yeah. every single club is um, I think it was a loss of over six hundred K at least last year. So they wouldn't do it. There wouldn't be clubs. There wouldn't be people working at these clubs. They want. They have. They still have ambition. Every single one of these mm. clubs, regardless of what people want to say on social media, every one of these clubs has a, has an element of ambition. So I completely agree. Yeah, it's just a general strategy change. And then, like I say, you'd probably do have an extra bit of cash if you are, for example, maybe on the brink of the playoffs next year. And we do, we do get a little bit out of some of these players. Say a, a Josh Sim, for example, absolutely lights it up when he comes through. 
and we'll win a couple of games, we'll get on a bit of a run and then we're looking, we, we can't, we're kind of seven from a few points off six and we go, hang on a minute, he's available. He might yeah. have up that line. I'm sure we do it. I'm sure we do that. So I completely agree. It's not absolutely dead set. No. But, but, and this is where it does, it is smart ultimately if people can look at the real big picture. Clubs also don't have to absolutely kill themselves. Um, which has happened so many times in the past. And I know they're not trying to look back, IMG, but how many clubs have done it, you know, in the last 20, 30 years where they've gone above, they've gone above the means and, you know, they've done it at the start of the season. And then when they need that extra player, because they're not quite good enough, they're then going above the money they actually have. You know, it, it's happened so many times and that's how you see teams in administration. So at least this way with this kind of spectre of relegation gone or traditional relegation gone, it allows you to take a little bit of a step back be a bit more strategic about what you want to do. You can look more promisingly at kind of three, four years down the line. You can take a bit more of a chance on a 20-year-old kid rather than having to get someone who's 24, 25 in. Um, and you can develop into it, develop him into a much better player. I think for the good of the game, I think for the good of uh, the youth systems in the UK, which is obviously, it's been, it's been struggling. Well, let's be honest, a little bit over the last five, 10 years, I think it is ultimately a, a good approach. And, like I say, we're going to get pelters, as I keep saying, because I think we're also the first to do it. I think the timing is kind of perfect for us, but also terrible for us in a way because, well, no, it's perfect. It is perfect because we're now, we're at the perfect position where we can literally, rep, we need to rip it up. We fully need to rip it up and start again. Yeah. And it just so happens that this is the perfect year to do it really. So people are going to look at us and go, oh, well, they're not trying. Da, da, da. What, what, how come they're spending so much little, how much little, how, how much little money? watch how many clubs do it in the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> we we might be the first. We might be the first to rip it up and start again and buy young and maybe just risk a year of not being quite there before a few more years of success. We're not going to be the last. This will become the approach. Um, that's, just, that's just it. You look at every other sport that has this system with the salary cap, uh, but like a, a general kind of license approach where you're near enough guaranteed and assuming you get your infrastructure right. It's just how it works, isn't it? Just how it works. Baseball is an incredible example of it. You get the New York Yankees at the top. They're spending $350, $400 million a year on the teams. You know, in our context, that's your Warrington's, that's your St. Helens, that's, well, maybe not your Leeds (laughs) at the moment. We'll see how they they pan out. Uh, But your Wiggins, you know, your top three teams, they're your New York Yankees, you're going to spend it every year. There's teams in the MLB who spend 60 or $70 million a year still an awful lot of money in the grand scheme of things. Wow. But if you look at it on a ratio, it's absolute chalk and cheese. But every so often, one of those teams pulls through and actually ends up in the playoffs. And the reason is they've done it cleverly. They've done it over a three, four year period and they've bought little and they've turned they've turned them into superstars. Watch Moneyball. It's a great film. Oh, I was about to say Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's the approach, isn't it? Yeah. Premier League, same thing. Look at, look uh, at Brighton. Brighton. Brighton are the perfect example. Yes. And I know we, we look at rugby league and super league and say, all right, small fry in comparison. Yeah, it is. But there's a, there's principles you can take yeah. which can have the same approach, can't it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to go through kind of each thing that kind of Matt Shaw said in the article. I'm aware we've probably already spoke for 20 minutes on it. Um, <laughs> but we just want to get a kind of general thought on that. But now we can kind of get into the nitty gritty of exactly kind of what he said. Um well, first and foremost, the, the, the bloke who was the, the, the picture on the article, and obviously we've had the news this evening that he is indeed on his way. Uh, Greg Eden. Greg Eden is going to leave the club at the end of the season. We'll have to 
uh, Friday night at Headingley. Uh, he's leaving the club. It appears he's going to Featherstone Rovers. It's not announced yet, uh, but obviously Matt Shaw reported that. We've not heard anything that's kind of to the contrary <laughs> at this point. Uh, we don't know if it's done, but that seems to be where he's headed. Um, dare I ask thoughts? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know I've been painted as this uh, Greg Eden hater a little bit. And uh, maybe rightly so. Maybe I have said a couple of uh, undue things about him. Uh, but I feel like the last, what is it, seven years that he's been with the club, um, seven seasons, he's, um, obviously his record speaks for himself. Um, scored, what, over 100 tries for the club now. Pulled it out in some big moments and big games for us. I mean, you only have to think back to his hat trick at Wakefield not to a few weeks ago. Probably won us that game. Um, always seemed to pull it out at the right time. So, and rightly so, he's a fan's favourite. He's a, he's a great guy to have around the place. Um, good person around the fans, and I feel like it. it it's just the right time to maybe move on. Injuries are starting to creep in. He's, he's, this season, especially, he seems to have been one game in, a handful out, and he's never really got a, a decent run of games and, and everything that's kind of gone on this year. I think he, the comments that uh, Danny Wilson made in, in the press release as well about his body breaking down. End of the day, he's, what, 32 now? Yeah, it'll be 33 by the time. 33 by the time seasons. Come. And we're trying to move to a... A, you, the next generation of players and you look at the guys behind him now I mean Elliot Wallace seems to have secured his place in that on that uh, right wing I feel like he's been great this year and and every time Gary Gary seems to play obviously well obviously Wigan wasn't the greatest display with Miski scoring five tries down his side but not fully his he's blamed for all five but the flashes you see of Gary Gary Reminds me very much of a, a Greg Eden anyway. I feel like we've got a, a ready-made replacement there. Yeah, and the thing with Gary Gary as well is he's off contract next year. Mm. Um, is Jason Gary Gary. And you've, you, you're then in a situation where if you keep Eden there uh, and Eden does stay fit, which would be a big if, don't get me wrong. We'll get, I'll get into a few stats in a sec. But um, automatically, Gary Gary's only going to play pretty much half the games, isn't he? And he's yeah. in a situation where he's trying to earn a new deal. We, we probably don't know what kind of deal to offer him. You know, it, it just makes, if you're ever going to give Gary Gary a shot, um, yeah. uh, a starting gig in a cash shirt, I think he needs a big pre-season. I think he needs to bulk yeah. up a little bit. And I think there's certainly elements of his game, which I must admit, he's held his hands up and, and spoke about them. He spoke mm. about them in the press comments before Wigan. So he's clearly switched on to it. Um, he needs a big preseason, and he does need improvement in his game for sure. But you never improve if you don't play games, do you? So, um, I, I, as Danny Wilson said in, in the in the statement, I think as we've kind of alluded to as well uh, on the podcast, I think it is the right time. Uh, I'll run through a few stats. Um, I've got these from Rugby League Project, and I know the Wikipedia article's been flying around on Twitter. I'm not; it's not exactly the same, but I'm I'm willing to take Rugby League Project's word for it. Um, 121 appearances uh, for Cass in all comps, obviously 2017 to 2023, but obviously three way back uh, in 2011 as well. That was actually his first season for the club, came through uh, as a youngster. Um, 
he alluded to kind of half, <laughs> pretty much he only plays in <laughs> half his games. It, near enough, true. Uh, looking at it, obviously there's kind of eight seasons there. Um, his potential appearances uh, is 228. So that worked out about 53%, mm. um, which is not a lot. If we're being brutally honest, it's not a lot. Um, in five of those eight seasons, he's played fewer than 20 games, Greg Eden. And it's not his fault, don't get me wrong, he's, he's had hamstring issues and various injuries uh, along the lines, but it's a durability issue. Uh, it is ultimately a durability issue. And you give him a little bit of a pass for 2011, obviously. Uh, it was coming through. Yeah. But at the same time, he was a very well-heralded youngster, wasn't he? <laughs> and I mean, Nathan Brown fell into that trap. Very, yes. <laughs> very brutally. The uh, next Willie was, Slater. <laughs> yeah, when he moved on to uh, Tordisfield. So, um, yeah, it's not like he was a, an unknown youngster as well. And he did only play three games that year, but could have broke through, I suppose. Um, but yeah, he's playing in 53% of his cast games or the, the, the games cast have had during his time at the club, which he, he, yeah, it's a real issue durability wise. But again, you play the devil's advocate and you go, he's got 100 and, 112 tries in that time wow. in 121 games, which is pretty Crazy. remarkable in all comps. Yeah, it's a strike rate of 0.92. <laughs> right up there. And especially, I think we mentioned this on the pod a few weeks ago as well especially when you consider how many games he's filled in at fullback and even halfback in other positions as well. Yeah. Um, I think we said, you know, there's only kind of 10 games, nine games difference. Um, if you kind of take those, I'm certain he's played more games at fullback than that. Mm. Um, so if you kind of put those games that he played fullback and halfback back on the wing, he probably scores more than, more than a try a game, which it, it is remarkable. It is really remarkable. So he, he will rightly go down in the history books as uh Maybe the greatest cast winger of the Super League era. He, he's up there. Uh, he's Definitely. Up there. There's there's not many uh, who could be on his level. Obviously, I don't remember the late nineties too much. I know there's some good wingers around there, but um, and obviously Denny had his year and Justin Carney was knocking around. But I think ultimately, in terms of that longevity, he's had. I mean, in all comps, he's got forty-one tries in twenty seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty insane. Uh, he's pretty insane, and uh, he was he, yes, he was in a good team, but you've still got to finish him, and he, yeah. he's, he's been quite a finisher. So um, Greg Eden certainly gets his due. And Ellis Jones did uh, tweet us saying, do you think Eden leaving is the right decision? It might just be nostalgia 2017, but it won't feel the same without Super Greg. I think you absolutely nailed it there, Ellis. (laughs) If I'm honest, I think with the second half of that question, yeah, a little bit. It's one of them. I guess like Adam said, he's coming up to 33. It's one of those. Yeah, it it almost feels like a somber day on social media today, doesn't it? It's like it did with Massey. Like it will do if a few other than the, uh, a few other the names move on in the coming days, but that's sport. That's mm. ultimately sport. You don't stay forever. You know, I'm a I'm a Liverpool fan. Steven Gerrard moved on originally, uh, eventually. You know, what I mean, they all do. They they all have to move on eventually, and you just hope you get it at the right time. The problem is we've not got them at the right time. We have been too late on a lot of these. Yeah. So as much as it's difficult to see these kind of cult heroes and stuff move on. Uh, and downright legends in in some cases. It's got to happen. It's got to happen, hasn't it? The unfortunate kind of issue with sport, father time catches up with all of us. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of thing that's happened with a lot of these these lads that we're now saying goodbye to at the end of 2023. As much as we can be nostalgic and kind of think of them as as kind of irreplaceable, unfortunately... The club moves on, yeah. seasons move on, and it, it's natural for every player's time comes eventually. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just before we move on from Greg, um, fat boy Rob, um, should a minute silence be held before we hammer Leeds on Friday? We could do it after and just have it for Leeds if you want. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm all for it. Um, we will do a little bit of a preview of uh, Leeds right at the end. We'll have a little bit of chat about it, but yeah. Um, just 111 points they've shipped in the last couple of weeks. So Friday really could be interesting. Let's just have yeah. the minute chance for them, I think. It could be yeah, them. <laughs> never, never mind anyone else. Um, but yeah, I know you're a big Greg fan, so I hope you feel all right tonight, Rob. I'll be okay. Um, right, the other two points then. The other two points that were brought up in the article yesterday, we moved on from Greg. The contracted players, the fact that contracted players have been informed by the club, and not all of them, and obviously he didn't allude to which ones, uh, we don't know. Um, but some of the contractor players for next season have been informed that they could potentially look at releases from their deal if they can kind of get situations sorted. Uh, now, I don't know how you think about this. I don't think, certainly the way it's worded as well, doesn't strike me like we're looking to pay anyone off, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. That, that goes without saying, especially if, yeah. you're, if you're going down the play budget route. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it? And it, it yeah. does... It'll probably excite a few, dare I say, uh, that we might be able to get, potentially get a, a couple of a couple of players who are taking probably a little bit too much money off the cap, um, and potentially get them off deal. But it's going to be easier said than done getting some of these off the cap, isn't it? Absolutely, it's going to be easier said than done. I think it, for us two, I know we've maybe spoken about it off air a little bit more than maybe it's been mentioned in the press, but I don't think it comes as a suspense a surprise struggle to get a surprise out there <laughs> <laughs> don't think it comes as a surprise to us at all that this is the case that these contractor players have been told that they can look elsewhere yeah. after this season nobody at the club should be happy with the performances that have gone on what's happened on the field obviously no cast fan or player or staff member should be happy with finishing 11th so and and this is a team that we are spending up to the capping. This is a team that we are spending quite a lot of money on. That's the, the difference, isn't it? That's the difference yeah. between this season and potentially the next season. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we are spending a hell of a lot of money on players that have just not managed it. If we were spending 1.5 million, which is the quoted potential budget for next year now and we were finishing 11th, we'd have maybe a little bit more sympathy. Hmm. And then maybe hold on to these players a little bit longer, but while while ever we're spending up to the cap and we're not going in the performances, there will be more appetite to ship some of these players on, and some of these players, I'm, I'm sure, once we hear uh, any rumored names, I know, obviously, I think, um, obviously, Greg were mentioned in the the piece, but I believe he was off contract this year. He just had an option, so I don't know if we took that option up or. Don't know the situation behind that, and I know one that has been mentioned in the uh, in the press is Kenny Edwards. Yeah, obviously he recently he only just recently signed a three year deal, and we've kind of seen his performances drop off. Although last couple of weeks, I I think that he he has uh, kind of turned up a little bit. Yeah, going out oh, a yeah. bit of flourish. Going to have a bit of flourish. Yeah, so if he a little bit of a swan song before he, he he rides off into the sunset, whether that's back towards or. I've heard some rumours of him potentially moving to another English club. Ooh. 
that'd be interesting because he is yeah. very keen on this music festival in New Zealand. Yes, which on his Instagram. So <laughs> maybe he's just heading back and then coming back yeah, again. But, I mean, you still got a fair bit of um, stamina in the legs, I guess. He's one of those. Hasn't he? I think we've talked about it before. Although he's in his late thirties or mid mid thirties, should I say? Um, he's not actually played that many games, has he? No. Um, so he probably has got the potential to at least play on. Um, but yeah, as you said, Edwards is one um, we're almost certain has got a release. But there's still other names there. And I don't think, because it's already been previously reported as well, I don't think that's the name that's been alluded to in the press because that's not no. strong enough. No. Uh, it's not strong enough as a line to even report on, is it really? Not really. Uh, so I don't think he's the one. Um, I've got a list here of all the, all the players that I believe, I think, are uh, contracted beyond this season. Um, I'll read out the ones that I think we, we discussed it a little bit before we started the record. Uh, I'll read out the ones that we're pretty sure will be here no matter what and have not been uh, been asked to, been asked to um, look at a release. So that would be Jack Broadbent. Um, for the for the main reason of being, it, it'd probably be quite hard to replace at this stage and we do need <laughs> some experience in the squad. Uh, George Griffin. Um, I, I don't know who's picking up his, his extra year next season, uh, if I'm being brutally honest. He's not been brilliant this season, but... Mm. I do suspect he'll probably be here. He's again. He's been a little bit better as well uh, down the stretch. I think. And we do um, need we do need some players to play next year as well. Yeah, we can't have a complete. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I do. I do want to get younger. Not, 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 not everyone of the age of thirty <laughs> has to go. Um, so I think Griffin will be here um, quickly. Then Sam Hall, George Hill at the academy. I don't see the point in releasing any academy no. players, frankly. Um, Liam Horn, obviously. Kieran Hudson. I kind of gave him big raps last week. Hopefully, he can come back. Uh, Brad Martin. Uh, Alex Miller, I don't suspect to move on. Jason Gary Gary, uh, Danny Richardson, obviously. Kane Robb, Shabbat Hasipala, uh, Aaron Willis, Elliot Wallace, which is difficult to say. Um, and also Moose Mustafa, I think has an option for next year, and I do suspect we'll, we'll take that. Yeah. Um, which leaves us with the players that don't have an option, oh, sorry, that do have an option that we're not going to take up and the potential players that we could move on. Uh, first of all, first of all, Alex Sutcliffe. There's rumours going around that he is potentially dropping down a couple of divisions. Might not fancy it. Maybe going into the part-time in, uh, arena. Uh, obviously, we kind of gave him big raps, didn't we, in uh, early on in the year? But it's just not quite worked for Sutcliffe, has it? So I, I'd be amazed if he get, if he gets his option taken up. Yeah, I, I, I know I had him, I believe, starting centre, but it was kind of I had other options as well. He, his position was a potential rotation one. Um, but it hasn't, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out. I know he's, he's obviously on loan at Halifax at the moment. I believe he scored a try at, he at did the it. weekend. So nice to see Sutley getting over for a try um, out on loan at Halifax. But I feel like with the way that we're looking now at the signings that we're making, it is maybe Alex Sutcliffe will be surplus to requirements. Yeah, and I've just realised not on this list because I've missed him off, uh, is Will Tate as well who's going to be yes. here beyond this year. So it is, it, it's almost much of a muchness, isn't it? <laughs> with those two, yeah. to be honest. But and then you've got a slightly younger version with probably a little bit more upside in Will Tate, who's already signed a, a longish-term deal. So, yeah, I, I don't see sort of Sutcliffe going beyond this season. So let's look at the... I've got three names written in red here on this list in front <laughs> of me in terms of potential players who could have been asked the question. They're all quite the obvious ones, uh, yes. if we're being honest. And we'll, we'll take them in turn and I'll, I'll let you decide which order. But Jacob Miller, Albert Vette, uh, and Gareth Widdop, who I do suspect we've at least asked the question in terms of, are you definitely going on next year? 
Yeah, I th- we might as well start with it. Um, from what I think all of us are sort of hearing in and around the club, it's maybe Gareth Widdop might be stepping away from rugby league as a whole mm. um, and retiring. Obviously, he's had a number of different injuries. He's definitely lost a yard or two of pace that we can all see. And I yeah. feel like he's maybe struggled in parts, especially at that fullback position this year, uh, unfortunately for us. It, again, is it maybe the right time for him to walk away? I'm not too sure. I think of uh, those three, I'll just sorry, I'll just chime in there. No, I think of those three is probably the one I prefer to stay. Yes, <laughs> I, I think, but I, I'm almost, I'm almost like, is that saying much? <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's being harsh. I don't know, but um, at least he does have that experience to really pass down. Yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't harm Danny Richardson to have a player like no. that outside him for a year, and you know there is an element of that. But at the same time, if his head's not fully there. And he, like I say, his body is clearly not uh, mm. what it was. Um, he's probably the highest earner at the club as well, isn't he? Uh, if we're being honest. Yes, probably, must be. He's probably the highest earner. It will be very, very close if not. Um, so, yeah, it's really just a matter of kind of motivation with him, isn't it? I think if he's not motivated to give it everything no. next year, and he's, it's one of those things in sport generally, isn't it? It's like if you've got one foot out of the door, you might as well have both. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't, not in a contact sport like this. If he's even considering it and, like I say, we don't know where the rooms are coming from. Uh, they might not be from him, and no. potentially they're all absolute bollocks. It's possible. But the fact there are rumours flying around suggests that he's not 100% in on uh, mm. a Tigers 2024 year. So, yeah, you, it would make sense that we've asked him that question and gone, if you're not if you're not fully in, then let us know. Uh, let's see what we can do. Opens a, uh, a bunch of options for us if we can get that sort of, that amount of cap off, off the books. Well, that's it as well because obviously we're we're, I mean, we're talking about potentially playing to one point five million, and the reason why we're using that figure, I wouldn't usually speculate on a figure like that, but basically, like independently, we we both heard the same number of different people. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, again, it could be absolute rubbish, and uh, be rest assured, the Danny Wilson interview is it's still in the works and it is going to happen, and that should give us a lot of answers uh, for this. But yeah, I mean, if that's what we're looking at right now. Maybe there is a little bit more to be spent uh, mm. next season. Um, if someone on a fair chunk of that uh, is moving on in Widdop as well, so yeah, as you say, it does open a lot of options. Hmm. Should we move on to friend of the podcast? I believe you introduced him last week. Yes, yeah, Mr. Albert Albert Verte. I've got nothing bad to say about him. <laughs> I don't know why he hates us. I don't know why he blocked us. I'm going to say. Still you, uh, you called him friend of the podcast, and obviously I know that he has uh, blocked the Coifcast on Twitter. Um, but I, I, I wasn't 100% sure if all our wonderful listeners will know that story of uh, Mr. Vette having blocked the Coifcast. It's a good point. Yeah, I, I, yeah. to be fair, I know obviously a lot of our listeners don't necessarily use Twitter either, so may not have, <laughs> may not have known that story. But yeah, I found out after just about four or five episodes that Vette is not a Coifcaster. Big shame, big shame. Yeah, I, I wonder why. Yeah, Doncaster doesn't have a podcast either. So. No. Uh, but yes, Mr. Vette, I believe this is probably the one I would say that we are trying to get off the books as much as we can. Yeah. Um, the other two have played this year. Vette has played very sparingly and then has obviously been um, sent out on loan to Doncaster in order for us to bring these quota players in. That's the other big one about Vette. He is a quota player. 
from the signings we have had rumoured of bringing in, we already need to create one spot um, to facilitate those signings. And if we are potentially looking at bringing Blake Austin in, I know you answered the question last week and we both said no, but I know we've had conversations this week where we're sort of maybe starting to think. It, Yeah, on Austin, I would say that the longer it drags on and the longer he doesn't sign a deal somewhere else, <laughs> the, the more likely it happens. Yeah, yes. just goes without saying, doesn't it? Um, he's certainly not going anywhere, I don't think. Um there's talk of him live streaming a hair transplant on Instagram today. So interesting. At some point in the next month or two. So he's not he's not speeding up anytime soon. <laughs> um yeah, we don't have to talk about the last half back that got an hair transplant while <laughs> I was playing for Cassidy. Didn't, didn't go very well after that, actually. No. Uh, no. But um yeah, yeah, I I that's my point on that. I think the longer it goes on and the longer we're even having discussions about the likes of Vete and obviously uh, the other half back who we can discuss in a sec. Um, as you said, the quota spot would be the key there. We need mm. basically you need Vete or Miller, and no, no, no guess, no prize for guessing who that was. Um, you need Vete or Miller off the cap uh, yeah. and off the quota in order to fit someone like Austin in or, or an equivalent. So, yeah, the longer that discussion is happening and we're not kind of giving any assurance either way, who knows? It's possible. Mm. I just think the the Albert Vete experiment hasn't worked, unfortunately. Um, this year, and I'm, I'm sure it's clear for most fans to be able to see. She's unfortunate because he came over as kind of that big-bodied forward that we maybe lacked, and it's ended up being sort of you either carry Matagi or Vete because they did very similar minutes, which were not many, mm. and brought a very similar game plan, which was just straight runners. It, I had this chat with uh, with someone the other day about Vete, and I think I, I think I nailed it. I'm not sure. I don't know. Obviously, the recruitment uh, policy has changed uh, mm. mid-season, and yes. like I say, that's why I'm really eager to speak to Danny. Obviously, we didn't have a director rugby last year when when this move was made. The Albert Vete move struck me as, as you kind of alluded to there, every single year the fan base screams out for regardless of any kind of reason <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just want get us a big islander in the middle yeah get us a big pacific samoan tongan fijian whoever it might be in the middle let's just scare them let's do the whole fc approach because that's yes. the sense of that being and to an extent the catalan dragons approach as well they always tend to mm-hmm. do it um and it's a pretty approach has worked at various times but in order for that approach to work you need to either one invest properly or to invest smartly. <laughs> and I don't know if we did either one, because I, I feel like with Albert Vete, it was almost an element of, right, there's an outcry for this kind of big uh, Pacific Island prop. We're not looking abroad, because we weren't looking overseas at that no. point. Uh, so we weren't looking at a Sylvester Nemo, for example, who we, might, who we may well be bringing in next season, or someone from, from that competition. So we were only picking from what was available in Super League, by the looks of things, and he was just the one available. And... Yeah. That it just seems like we almost ticked a box uh, with Vete, and the thing is, he didn't come with the most glowing appraisal either. You know what I mean about his mindset and about his, his attitude and stuff. It wasn't like he was coming across as an absolute world beater. He was coming across as someone who had a few good games for KR at the back of last year, which excited us to a certain degree. Don't get me wrong, but when you look at it in hindsight, just kind of ticked a box, didn't it? So I think ultimately, if we can get him off this final year of his deal. 
if we can keep it on loan at Doncaster for another year, I mean, wow. they, might, they might be going up. Uh, they might be going into the championship um, wow. uh, on, on, on Sunday of this weekend. Uh, they're going to be in the League One playoff final. I mean, if they're a championship club, for example, maybe he just wants to stay at that level. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be the first overseas player to play in the championship. Obviously, Fev have had plenty. Lee have had plenty. I mean, it's wishful thinking. Don't get me wrong. But um, maybe that's the route if he wants to stay over in the UK. But probably could be quite difficult for someone to take up that year deal. Um, but yeah, we certainly need to ask the question, don't we? Yeah, I believe, I think that's the one that we might end up having to pay off to move him on. Yes. And again, maybe if that's the route, although I don't think we're going to actively try and do it. But again, we're talking about this kind of deficit in terms of the cap. It's not that the money's not necessarily there. I don't think it's that we don't have two million quid mm. or the capacity to spend two million quid. It's just that we don't necessarily need to. And like I say, if you're taking a widow, for example, off the cap and replacing him with someone, you know, who's 23, he's probably going to be on 50, 60, 70 grand less. So it's just it's just part and parcel of it. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. The fact he's only got a year on his deal, yeah, it's still a lot of money, probably too much money. But yes, I, I do agree. In, in the greater good, if it can get someone in with that quota spot, maybe that is someone where we just try and try and try. <laughs> But if it gets to a few weeks' time, we just go, oh, do you know what? Yeah, have it. <laughs> maybe maybe it's one of them. Yeah. I believe the next one that we're going to talk about will probably be the hardest. Yes. If there is a desire to get rid of him, which some fans, and well, quite a lot of fans are probably clamouring for him to move on. Hmm. Jacob Miller is going to be the toughest one to move on because he's obviously he's got two years left on his deal, obviously signing a, a three-year deal to as he came over from Wakefield. Is it as bad as we think with Jacob Miller? Have we, have we maybe defended him a little bit too much on this podcast in the past? Obviously, we've maybe made some excuses for him talking about playing behind a weak forward pack or having no platform to play off, yeah. having no solid, consistent half-back partner to play with and create a combination with. What He's had 100 thoughts? missed tackles. Which is tough to defend. I mean, it's it's a it's a heck of a statement, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, look, I've never played halfback in Super League. You haven't played halfback in Super League. Nope. Everyone listens to this near enough. Maybe we get one or two. Yeah. Uh, I've not played halfback in Super League. It's a very tough job. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't want them fellas running at me either. No. But a hundred missed tackles in a season seems an awful lot to me. It's a lot. Um, it is a lot, and especially when you add into that, I believe one try assist, which is. Uh, Quite a shocking stat for a halfback. It is. It is, and yeah, like I say, we we have defended him to a certain degree. We've certainly defended him more than most would on social media. Right? Yeah. Been very much, um, he's very much been on trial there for most of the year. It's very, yeah, it's very difficult without a stable spine. Of course, it is. He's not only his halfback, but obviously nine levels went down. Nine levels almost feels like a player who's not been here for years. You know what mm. I mean? He's been out for that, for that for that long. I almost forget about him. You almost forget my Paul McShane to a certain degree because mm. um, he's been out of it for so long. It, it has been tricky, but still, we, we'll bring him to we'll bring him across a player in Jacob Miller who's just been a captain at Wakefield. Just had a great year. You want a bit of leadership from there. And that's one thing I've not seen from Jamila all year. No matter, regardless of anything else, he's had a couple of good games here and there. I've not seen leadership. Mm-hmm. I can't understand. And I'm not I'm not privy to what's going on in the sheds. I'm not privy to what's you know being said around the camp, uh, how he is with the boys. I'm sure he's a nice bloke, all that. But 
I'm not seeing proper leadership from him in that situation and his kind of motivations really drag us out of, uh, of holes and he's got the ability to do that and that's the frustrating thing because we've seen it uh, during his Super League career. So it's just not worked. Whether it was just the move from the rival, whatever it might be, it just hasn't worked. But as you say, the real problem with Miller in terms of, it's very easy for a fan on social media to go, oh, get rid of him there the fact he's on a three-year deal means he's got two more years left, which basically means unless we want to pay him off the value of that deal, which, I mean, I'll let you do the maths and have an assumption of how much money that would be, but it would be in the hundreds of thousands of pounds. It's a lot of money. Um, You've got to get someone to take on a two-year deal, basically, at another club. Having missed 100 tackles in Super League, <laughs> it's difficult to see who that club would be, isn't it? It's a tough sell. It's not great. Yeah. I won't like. I won't like to think I was trying to flog that. You won't want. You won't want to be his agent, would you? No. <laughs> In that no. kind of discussion, unfortunately, um, it, it, might it's a, a great, it might be a great bloke, but yeah, it, yeah. It, if you're wanting someone to take on an expensive two-year deal, um, I mean, there's not many halfback spots knocking around in Super League left no. anyway. There is one of our very near rivals who might have a look at it, but. I mean, they can crack on if they want. Um, uh, if, if they do the business over to lose in a few weeks' time. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be next year. I, I, I do think it'll be next year. I but do. I guess we'll see. And I think that's the move that we would have to make to potentially facilitate Austin coming in. Yeah. I feel like you, you almost don't want to carry two quota spots in the halves and only play one, which would be the desire of obviously playing Austin and Richardson, especially of a, a lot of the fans that would want Austin and Richardson, yeah. which would mean you carry in Jacob Miller, who would who will be on a substantial amount of money, taking he, up a quota spot. And that's the thing, you're right, because in a half-back situation, you, you don't really have halves on the bench, do you? No. You could, but you don't really want... You, you're not carrying Jacob Miller on the bench, so I mean, no. do, you, yeah, do you want a quota spot playing the reserves? No. Um, he, he has to start, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the more you think about it, he, he does have to start, and it's just one of those things. Um, the other name we've not mentioned in terms of contracts of players, and this is gonna be a controversial one, and we'll probably only stay on it for about a minute because I'm scared <laughs> of this one. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm really honest, uh, I think you might be the same there. Um, Paul McShane. I, I believe it's it's probably a simple one with McShane. Obviously, he's getting up there in age, and we're talking about getting younger as a whole. But I don't believe we can get young across the board. No, all seventeen positions that are going to play play in a Super League game. Hmm. We need to have these. We've talked about keeping the culture, keeping what it means to play for Cass some leadership and I feel like McShane's the perfect person to kind of bridge that gap between the older generation and the next sort of phase and the next few years of Cass. I can't remember off the top of my head how many years he's got left on his contract. I believe it's two. I think so because when he sat I mean when he signed his most recent deal it was all but said in the contract that it was till the end of his career, and then he would yeah. join the coaching staff. Obviously, it was a different coaching staff uh, at, at that point, which kind of throws that into question a little bit. But 
he obviously is a very, very good coach, hasn't he? He's obviously coached yes. at an ex- well, the highest level of amateur rugby at the very least, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. With the Hunslet with the Hunslet club and um been very, very good at it. Um so that's kind of his aim. And obviously he loves Cass, loves the club, spoke multiple times about that. Uh don't get me wrong, I don't want McShane to be one of these players that no. are moving on. Uh, that's the, I don't want that to come across. Um it's just naturally with the way the squad is going, as you alluded to, in terms of the actual, you know, this age profile thing, he has to be a name mentioned in this. Mm because he's just at that age and it's one of those things and he's, he's a really high earner at a high age which is again watch Moneyball they're usually out of there <laughs> pretty mm. quick I agree we're not at that stage just yet we can't do that from a culture point of view not we losing obviously Milner in the year Massey now Eden going um, I'd be amazed if Westy isn't given a deal, deal next year and signs a new deal next year but I mean he's not out of contract well he's off contract so Liam Watts is another one where it's a little bit of a toss-up at this point. And I think I said to you earlier today with the, with the likes of Eden, et cetera, going, that's one where the longer that one drags on, the more I think he might be leaving. Um, so, yeah, I think Paul McShane, club captain, he's got to stay, hasn't he? But um, it would be interesting if any kind of conversation had had happened because obviously we did sign the nine, didn't we? And one that we like a lot in Liam on. I think we'll see his role definitely change. It won't be that 80-minute hooker that we've kind of relied on for the last sort of four or five years, however long he's been at the club now. There has been a move made, and Liam Horn is the move to make for that bench hooker that will come off the bench, play half a game, change the dynamic, be that absolute firecracker that we've seen in these last sort of six, seven weeks and we'll complement McShane's game brilliantly. I'm sure we'll end games with them both on the field Yeah, um, a lot of the time uh, because they both seem like smart ball-playing players um, and both great and physical in defence as well. So we're not going to lose anything by taking a middle off and putting one of those guys in there. I feel like it's a move that was necessary and it was how we kind of alluded to it in episode two when I first came on. The thing I said then was, we need to main, we need to look after Paul McShane. We need to prolong his career as long as we can because his brains and his smarts on the rugby field are great. This is why Saint Ellen's made signings at Hooker over the last four, four or five years yeah. to prolong James Roby's career because they know how valuable he is one in and around the club as a leader, but also on the field with his rugby brain. Yeah, and I think it's a very specialised position, isn't it, as you say, in hooker as well. I think as much as we talk about um, getting younger, and obviously we need to across uh, across the board, and so it's age profile, we keep talking about age profile, it's a lot easier to go younger at wing and centre, for example, than it is at mm. hooker and even like loose forward. I think it's Saints, obviously, a great example of this, where they're almost ahead of the game a little bit in the sense that they've had these cycles over years and years and years, and they're just they've just been rolling with it because obviously in their situation, relegation isn't really an issue anyway. So that's just that <laughs> they've kind of been at that anyway, uh, and that's why they're so successful. I mean, they are really the benchmark. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? They've got younger over the years. I mean, Tom Mason came through their academy, Percival did. Wellsby did, Lomax did, all that kind of thing. But still to this day, even when they're bringing kids in and they do all over the park, uh, Benison, for example, and players like that, Roby's been there. And yeah. even even a play, although he doesn't start, Loon McCarthy Scarsbrook as well. He's yeah. absolutely massive to them. I think we mentioned him a few weeks ago in kind of that, even my players more of the middle now, but in that kind of 13 role, you could, 
I'm not saying they're at that level. Although, I, actually, I, I actually, I would, actually. Um, McShane and Westerman are basically that, aren't they? Oh, that's yes. what they need to be, at least for the next year or two, Yeah, I think. And then you kind of build around those two guys. Um, and then if you get an element of experience at, at halfback as well, even if you're just one of them, that, that, then that's fine. And the rest of it, you can kind of continue to kind of rotate and keep the age average age of like somewhere between kind of 23 and 26 will be ideal. I think elsewhere in more kind of physical positions, I suppose, where you need that kind of extra bit of pace or the extra bit of power, which a young body can provide. Um, gone a bit of a tangent there. Not sure where I'm at, but, <laughs> but I, I think, I think it worked. I think it worked as an example. Um, one thing to touch on before we get to maybe a couple of the questions just to finish off um, the fullback position. Now you weren't yes. here last week, um, but I was asked the question. I think three times, mm. who I think was going to be fullback next year, and I gave eight answers. I stuck to the initial script that we've had since May or wherever it was when we started the podcast, maybe June, um, of Jack Broadbent being an option mm-hmm. there. Absolutely, um, and I think he's still an option there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we've. Not seen the last of him at fullback in a cast shirt. However, it does appear we pivoted a little bit, or at least the, the coaching staff know seeing what they see uh, week to week on, on, on the paddock. I've pivoted from that and perhaps want him to be that starting centre and nail down that starting centre spot because Luke Hooley, who I mentioned on the podcast and we discussed last week, and that is a yeah. big pat on the back for us, I think, because we didn't know anything. We're not in the know. <laughs> no one told us anything. Um, but we did discuss his name last week as a... As a potentially realistic option um, of someone who's probably a little bit out of favour at Leeds because obviously they're bringing a fella into play fullback next year and even Rowan Smith's alluded to um, it today in his press conference that conversations are happening or at least he wouldn't stand in the way of conversations happening because he's gone above Hooley's head essentially and bringing, bringing in a fullback so he completely understands it. What do you make of it? What do you make of Luke Hooley coming in because it would appear it is happening? Yeah, it's a good move because what we've lacked, especially over the last couple of years, is a natural fullback. Yeah. And hopefully one that will stay on the field. My level does look great when he's been on the field, which has been the biggest struggle. Gareth Widdup was brought along, brought into the club to play six and kind of almost fell into the fullback position after, obviously, Evold's getting injured. So bringing Luke Hooley in, who is, what, 25? fits our age profile shift mm. and our project that we're going to go on. I feel like age profile is like the buzzword of this podcast at the moment. Yeah, it'll be the buzzword until February, yeah. I imagine. Pretty much. <laughs> I, can't, um, I, can't, I, I dread to think how many times me and Danny Wilson are going to say it in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, local, we've not seen the best of him in a lead shirt, but that also comes down to the fact that he's had very little game time in a Super League environment. He's been maybe been, I think, the run he's on now is probably the longest run he's had in the team. And it's probably yeah. been his best run as well. I, yeah. I Again, I don't think he's pulling up trees and clearly in his, no. he's in a team that's in, in the doldrums after yeah. the last two performances. But from what I'm hearing, it's probably been his best run. It's certainly not his fault that they're kind no. of losing, losing like they are. No, so it's... We all heard and kind of saw in parts, maybe if you caught sort of the playoff run that Batley went on last year, the talent is definitely there. He showed it in a obviously a championship environment, but again, some very good teams in the championship as well. So 
he's definitely ready for that step up and definitely ready for that regular game time at fullback. And I feel like us as a club where we're at now is the perfect opportunity for him to sort of take that number one shirt with both hands and run with it. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. I think obviously goes about saying that the Craig Lingard effect uh, is is in full effect Uh, with this one. There's been rumour of uh, another Batley player coming in as well. Uh, We did mention episode two. So um, Josh Hodson, potentially, uh, who's another centre, could be on his way, but this is clearly a Lingard move. It has to be the player he he respects. It it, it didn't necessarily come through their system. I think he was a Bradford player, wasn't he? I think he did come through the Bradford system originally. Bounced Um, around a little bit, Wakefield, I think. Wakefield, Dewsbury. I think he played at Oldham at one point. So he has bounced around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but that's just... It's almost part of the course, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, certainly at championship level, and it's just a matter of kind of at that level because the money is so light, pretty much mm. going wherever the best money is or maybe the best opportunity. And I think when he went to Batley, it may have been it was the best opportunity because he had someone who could really kind of mentor him in Craig Lingard. Clearly, he's put a good word in for him. I don't think, regardless of whether Lingard's going to be on the staff next year or not, we don't know that. Um, I really, I'm, I'm sure they respect his opinion greatly. I don't think we'll be signing him if uh, he didn't come with a glowing appraisal from him. Um, I like it. Yeah, I like it as well. I think it's it's good, as you say, that there's a real natural fullback and can come in and kind of really make a play for that number one shirt uh, next season. An interesting element of it, I think, which I didn't really discuss 10 minutes ago and I probably should have done, is it almost guarantees that if we get that extra quota spot, it's not going on a fullback, which was an option, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. we, we discussed it ourselves. I mean, the, the name Kate Lyra was thrown around God knows how much last year, it was still, <laughs> still relatively available, probably at the same level. Um, that was someone we kind of bounced around ourselves privately, wasn't it? If we can get that quota spot and we didn't want to get and we didn't want to go into the halfback market. This maybe does open up the opportunity of Austin a little bit more if you get Miller off the cap, <laughs> I suppose, because you've got your fullback sorted where that would not necessarily be the case. Um, probably shows me as well that we really like Fletcher Rooney. As well, the fact that we're not throwing a load of money into the fullback position, mm. um, we're putting a bit of money into the, in, into the position with someone who can, don't get me wrong, take that position for the next two three years. But I think it proves the fact we're not using that we're not using a quota spot or not looking to use a quota spot means we're quite happy with the depth there. It must be, um, and obviously they really like Fletcher Rooney because he's he's been in the system. And let's be honest, they made a big song and dance about him, haven't they? Over, over the last week, over the last week and a half, and I think he's eighteen and he's got a long way, long long way to go, but. Clearly, they like him. Yeah, he would made almost made the poster boy in, in the build up of to the Wigan game, wasn't he? And um, it was great to see pictures of him warming up, having that experience of being in and around a Super League dressing room on game day. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably quite right to not play him. It, obviously, we all got a bit excited and probably would have been nice to see him out there. But I think letting him be in and around that environment become a bit more accustomed to it for the future. Maybe he gets an opportunity in one or two games next year. Yeah. As we say, he's only young. We can't expect him to come racing onto the scene. I don't think he's going to be that sort of player where he's going to be taking the world by storm at 18 and we'll be calling him the next Sam Tompkins and things like that. I don't think we'll be doing that. I think he's definitely one for maybe one year's time, uh, one to two years time. Maybe even three or four. Maybe three or four, and that's fine. And I, that, that's that's the thing, isn't it? That I think that's yeah. that's fine. I think there was a few questions which I don't think we're going to get to. To be fair, because I think we've covered a lot of it, to be honest. But there is one 
question. Well, well, to be honest, it's not even really good, not even really a question. It's more of a statement, to be fair. Um, although, no, as I'm reading it, there is a question in there. Uh, <laughs> this, this came from uh, uh, Vic at Fragments of Life, who's, uh, I think, a regular listener of the pod. Uh, she said, these announcements tonight are going to underline uh, an end of this era and kick off the rebuild. She's speaking of Sumatang and Greg Eden moving on. Um, and she said, you've talked a lot about needing to build a younger squad and the time that will take. How patient do you think the fans need to be? Success isn't going to be instant. I think you said before we started recording, I mean, that you completely agreed yeah. with the sentiment. I certainly do. I think, yeah, I mean, she's nailed it uh, in terms of patience. Yes. Do you, how patient do you think the patient the fans need to be? Very, <laughs> I think is probably the answer, but that's just the way the game's going. You've got to look at things in three or four year chunks, as we were talking at the start of the podcast, rather than get the squad right for next year. Oh, that didn't go right. Oh, we best get the squad right for the year after. You can't do it. You cannot do it. We've tried to do that so many times over the last six, seven years, and we've come stuck. We've come unstuck. You can't just do it. You've got to look ahead to the future. You've got to even take some short-term hits, I think, uh, in the hope that you're going to take a, a real like long-term step forward. Um, I thought it was interesting because we started the podcast just after 8 o'clock today um, and we kind of made jokes about you know looking at the cast Twitter account and <laughs> when they were going to be announced and stuff. I, I don't know whether this was on purpose or not. It probably wasn't on purpose, but it almost felt a little bit symbolic to me, to be honest. I've been thinking about it, the fact that we let Greg Eden go at 6 o'clock, who's about to be 33 uh, at the end of the year. We then let Sumitangi go. I think I've been knocking on 36, yeah. uh, I think, at the start of the year. Um, start of the next year, should I say. And then I think there was a, an element of, we. I think we almost expected something to go at 8 o'clock and it'd be maybe Danny Ward being announced or something like that or a player or something like that. I thought it was really interesting that it was the academy signings. Yeah. <laughs> and it almost does feel a bit symbolic, doesn't it? That, like you're getting rid of some 30 year olds and we kind of, that it, as, as Vic alludes to, it's kind of underlining the end of an era to some degree. And the first thing the club put out is we're signing, yeah. we're signing 15, 20 young kids to this new, to this Academy, which is now back to its pro status. You know, we've just had a kid that's been in the squad that you've never heard of before three weeks ago, but he's good enough to be in the squad. I thought that was interesting timing. And again, I don't know whether that was, that was purposeful. I don't know whether there's some real thinking behind that might not have been, but I think there's still something we can take from that, isn't there? Absolutely. And it's perfectly symbolic talking about the future of this club, talking about and thinking about how great the future could be. This is the first step of the next generation. Yeah. It's absolutely perfectly symbolic. You've hit that nail right on the head. And I feel like, Talking about patience, I'll take it back to the first episode that you ever did to show you that I listened. You, <laughs> called, you called this year, year zero. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect symbol, symbolic metaphor to looking forward to next year is year one of this process. Yeah, and I, and I, don't, I don't expect what you'd call success proper success until probably year three and at least and at least and that's what it is but hopefully the thing is then and if you get it right and we'll make mistakes and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll definitely make mistakes on the way and it's not going to be perfect don't get me wrong but year three you want to see some kind of success so if we call that what 2026 yeah um and then the good teams the people have the infrastructure right you're saying elements of the world what they will do is they'll prolong that success because mm. 
as that cycle comes to an end, there will already be a secondary cycle that has begun underneath where let's be honest, it's all well and good, but we'll throw all these kids in now uh, in terms of this next year uh, as we're getting rid of your Edens, your masses, etc. In a year or two's time, we have to have real proper discussions about the likes of Joe Esterman and players like that. And it's tough. And, and it's really, really tough. And even players who might only now be 28, 29, 30, but we need to stop getting to that situation where they're still on the books and still earning big money at 32, 33. We've got to be a bit more ruthless with it. It's as simple as that. So the good teams keep that kind of rolling system going on. Uh, and that's where you get to 26, 26, 26, 27, 28. And it just starts rolling, doesn't it? It just starts working. And all of a sudden you've got that turnover and the age profile, I'll say it one more time, all of a sudden starts to level out and actually maintain year and year. It's not dropping from 31 to 25 or whatever it might do next year. All of a sudden it might maintain at 26, 27. That's really what you want to do. And it takes time. It takes time. That's where the patience element comes in. It's not. It doesn't happen overnight. No. We're now at the stage where we need to actually probably get older <laughs> a little bit after <laughs> next year. That's how ridiculous it'll be. But we're going to get so much younger. There's then probably going to be a two-year maturing process where we'll get a little bit older. But then you want to maintain it at the at the peak. Everyone knows the kind of physical peak generally is kind of 27, 28. You know, mm. it's going to take time to get to that clearly. But once you get to that, that's when you can be a properly successful team. And that's when you can actually start to build year on year and then maybe compete for trophies. Who knows? Completely agree. Okay. Um, Is there anything more you'd like to discuss? We do have the questions in front of us. We could ask maybe answer maybe one more. Do you want to to answer the realistic league position question? I think that is quite interesting actually. Yeah. Uh, Before we round off and look, we're probably going to answer this every week to be honest until February I'd like, probably have a different answer yeah I'd probably give a different answer I think I might have given one last week to be fair um, and you'll keep asking it because of course you do because it's obviously yes. what we want to know um, so yeah just to kind of really contextualise what we're saying about this kind of future uh, that hopefully we've got planned and I mean just, just, just to say as well I really hope Danny Wilson says some of the stuff I'm saying because if he doesn't then I'm going to look right to it <laughs> but, but I really do think that is what we're going for and hopefully he kind of this is we've read it right hopefully we have read it right but um, Loke from Cass tweeted saying given the big turnover of players and focusing on lowering the squad's age which I agree is the right thing to do what do you think is a realistic league position to be aiming for next season I'll let you kick off yeah, it's definitely an improvement on 11th. Yeah. That that has to be the main goal. Looking towards sort of the IMG grading, looking at what a potential championship club can get from winning the league, winning the grand final, winning the 1895 Cup, and the pressure that that potentially could put on us. I feel like... As a club, we need to be looking at that sort of eighth range as a ambitious target. Oh, yeah. Not ambitious, sorry. Probably a realistic target we need to be challenging for in and around that sort of lower playoffs to sort of eighth, ninth position. We want to be in that shout. Yeah, I, I think so. I think realistically, you want to be anywhere between kind of six and ten. 
Yeah. And I think six is the absolute upper bound and we've yeah. massively exceeded expectations and all the young lads are coming in. Nixon Putt is an absolute superstar. And like I say, Josh Sims is going to score 15 tries from centre and you know Sam Wood's going to be fully fit and raring to go after his injury. You know, everything's got to go right for us to be six. And obviously we'll have to deal with the, the half-pass situation as well. Uh, and that would have to work out for the best. Um, but I, I think even if not everything goes quite to plan and there's a little bit of rocks and diamonds in there, as we expected, as, as we said earlier in the pod, um, 10th is still realistic, certainly realistic. Mm. And that's, that is an improvement ultimately. That would be an improvement on this year. And I think it would be a lot more exciting in the way we got there at the very least. And there'd be a lot more effort. And I think it would generally be a better watch, even if we're losing games. Yeah, um, I think Mark, Mark Ryan actually alluded to that on the pod, didn't he? In terms of, I think, yeah, I, I said it a couple of times, but there might be a few 36 30s thrown in there, you know, where we might might not be great defensively, but we're going to throw the ball around and we've got we're going to have some athleticism and we're going to we're going to test teams. Um, I certainly think it'd be a better product on the field because that's been a big issue this year as well, yeah. obviously. With you know, you can't really call yourself classy cast and first serve up some of the performances we have. Um, so yeah, I think anyway, we've kind of been six and ten, and if we're in that kind of six seven ballpark, hopefully you kind of tag on a cup run in that as well, and then who knows what happens in the cup, you know. Um, but yeah, you, you just look at going way back to episode one. Uh, I brought up the whole KR example, and yes. they were awful in twenty twenty, absolutely mm-hmm. terrible. People forget about it because there was no relegation that year, and that's why they are the perfect example for what we want to do because they had that benchmark they had that yeah they had their 2024 20, situation basically uh they, they couldn't go down that year they couldn't go down that year so they were able to take stock and go okay w- let, let's move on from here let's see what we can do let's get the right coaching uh let's let's look to get the right coaching um let's invest in some youth let's put this squad together for in a few years time and now i mean you only have to look at craven park and a home game and it's ultimately it's what we want the jungle to be. Yeah, um, to be honest, it really, really is. And you know what? It's that, that squad's full of young kids. Don't get me wrong. There's a Ryan All in there. Of course there is. Yeah. It's not going to be completely across the board, but there's Mikey Lewis, but there's all the lads they got from Bradford who nobody wanted at the time. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of young kids in there and there's whole lads coming through there as well. That's, that's what they want. That's what we want. Sorry. And yeah, they were, ba- they were in a very similar situation three years ago to where we find ourselves now. And, you know, they started to go in the right direction. Funnily enough, investment followed after that as well. And all of a sudden, some people wanted to put some money into the club. That's probably food for thought as well, isn't it? If you can, if they can see that the club is going in the right direction, there's a real growth strategy and things are going in the right direction. Again, I'll repeat myself. It's, it's no coincidence that people started to want to put money in the club, is it? No, all it comes hand in hand almost, I believe. As soon as these invest potential investors see the club moving forward under its own steam, mm-hmm. they're more than willing to jump on board and, and help drive that train. 100%. 100%. Good young squad. Fair few cast lads in there. Some movement on the stand will be lovely. Don't get me wrong. That'd be brilliant. <laughs> and then, you know, that's where you can really see a future, I think. And... um as I say, hopefully we can get the interview with Danny Wilson over the line in the next few weeks, and I do believe he may share some of our some of our thoughts. But I am interested to hear about the things we've not thought about because ultimately it's not my job to be a director of rugby, neither is it yours. So I'm sure there's plenty of things we've not discussed, and I'm certainly eager to hear how he actually goes about recruiting these players that he's recruited. I think that's going to be a big part of it, and yeah, genuinely interested. 
um, in, in how they've gone about that and how they've kind of pivoted to the um, to the method they have done. Um, I think that's it. I think that's pretty much it. It's been quite a hefty chat. I think it's been useful. I think it's been insightful, hopefully. And um, I feel like I've got a lot of my chest there, Adam, to be honest. <laughs> I, feel like I, I feel like I've ranted there more than I probably have since episode one. So I hope it's not come across too many. Yeah, I quite enjoy these. They're like his own little um, cast tigers therapy sessions. It's counselling, isn't it? We're just counselling <laughs> each other at this point. <laughs> I feel like that end of season review is just going to be us two in a dark corner holding each other. I think so. I think so. I mean, I've got my light on at the minute. I might have to turn it off. <laughs> that um, yeah, we will do a review at some stage. Um, I said we'd do a review of the Leeds game at the end of this, but I mean, I don't have too much time left. Time is getting away from us. Um, what is there to review or preview? Sorry, in that, in that one. I mean, we're you know we're done now. I mean, you know we're we're safe. I think I actually make us favourites. I'll say that much. I actually make us favourites on Friday, but again, it's not really saying much when they've not scored a point in two weeks and chipped 111 points, is it? <laughs> no, it's it's tough. It's a tough argument to make to say that they're favourites. We've turned them over twice already this year as well. Yeah. Um, so if there's any club that we're going to feel a little bit of confidence against, it's definitely Leeds. Um, we just spe- have especially coming off the back of their last two games, it's it's tough for them to not just concede that many points, but also fail to score. The I've just checked, and the bookmakers currently have Leeds as my, as a, a minus two point favourite, so it's very very close. That's it's tight. Basically, basically a scratch game. You don't get too many of those. Um, so they can't call it. They're probably waiting for the squads, to be fair. Um, but yeah, we've got the opportunity to do quite a funny thing <laughs> on Friday, to be honest, uh, to go there and uh, and beat them. Um, there's over a, about a thousand cast fans, I believe, who've got tickets. So the club said the, a few days ago, I'll be there. Um, just going to be nice to go to a game and just not really feel too much stress about it, which I can't say has ever been the case going to Headingley, to be honest. I'm usually pretty stressed. Going to Leeds, regardless of the situation, I think I'm completely carefree <laughs> going into this one, which would be a weird, uh, a weird situation. But I think I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. Um, and Blake Austin can play; he, he didn't get a ban, so yeah, why not? Let, let's go to Leeds and beat them, and kind of really put a, a proper dampener on the, on the end of their season. Because um, yeah, we'll, we'll probably do it. Well, we are going to do a few preview pods going into next season, looking at a few of these clubs and. That's a club with all kinds of problems with Leeds Rhinos, isn't it? I mean, oh yes. I mean, people piling on cast and the fact we're doing a rebuild and stuff. I mean, we're not the only one with problems. No, no, <laughs> we're far from it. There's a fair few clubs that we could maybe uh, put under under the microscope and maybe look closely and see some quite glaring issues there. Yeah, absolutely. Not really any signs of coming out of it either. Whereas at least we're. We're showing a little bit of that. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, as I say, as it is becoming our counselling sessions, but it is quite cool <laughs> that a few hundred of you listen to it. Uh, and clearly uh, a lot of you enjoy it and we do really appreciate the comments. Um, the engagement is just going through the roof on, on social media. Uh, the Facebook account is live now, so do head over there and uh, engage with this one when you get it out. Instagram, I'm not using Instagram as much, if I'm being honest, but still go over there and give Codcast a follow. Uh, Twitter or X, if you really want to call it X, is, is the place to be for all things Coivecast, really. And as I say, the engagement's fantastic. Um, I asked for questions only an hour before we started recording today and got got a hat full in. 
um, it's brilliant that the conversation is happening. Uh, it really is, and I'm sure it will continue throughout the off-season. So do head over to Twitter and follow at Coifcast. Um, yeah, we'll speak to you when the season's ended. That's a bit strange to say, but enjoy Leeds on Friday. Uh, it'll be something. That's for sure. It'll be a game of rugby league. Um, <laughs> yeah, enjoy it. Um, that's all for me. Coif. <laughs>